Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. This is lesson number four on being complete in Christ. And before I pick it up, I want to give you a little bit of an introduction about the uh, church there at Colossae. The church here was formed or founded by a man by the name of Epaphras. He was a convert of the apostle Paul after he heard Paul preach at Ephesus. Paul proclaimed the good news of the gospel there and he got converted went back to his hometown of Colossae. And there he founded the church. The church was comprised mostly at the beginning of Gentiles that got born again and into the church. Well, over time, what happened was these particular false teachers began preaching and teaching heresy that began to undermine the ministry there. And so not knowing what to do at the time, he paid a visit to the Apostle Paul, who was under house arrest in Rome at that time. And after talking with Paul, Paul then pens this epistle called the letter that he sends to the Colossians. And he begins to basically confront the heresy, correct the heresy. But he starts out his letter in a very tactful way. He commends them first and foremost for their faith. If you look at the first chapter, he commends them for their love. He also commends them uh, for their fruitfulness as a church. And then, beginning at verse 9 in Colossians 1, he begins to reveal to them how he prays for them. That they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That they would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, and so on through verse 14. Then he transitions over into chapter 2 where he talks about the heresy. You see, what they were doing was doubting the supremacy of Christ and the deity of Christ. And thinking, having the people think you have to add something added to the work of Christ in order to be saved. So he addresses that. He confronts it. He corrects it. We're going to pick it up in chapter 2. This is from the Passion Translation of the Bible. And we begin at verse 8. Look at what it says. The first word indicates what he's doing right now. Beware. Beware means to constantly look out for something. Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness. Notice the word fullness. By pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form and our own completeness is now found in him. 
We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is the head of every kingdom and authority in the universe. So what he begins to show them is, look, you're complete in Christ, period. You've got the fullness of Christ in you right now. You don't need all this. You don't need human philosophy. You don't need humanistic views and logic. You've got Christ in you, and completeness means you are whole, completely whole spiritually. You missed a good time to shout, man. You're completely whole. You've got the fullness of Christ. Now, I want to show a parallel here. I want you, I want you to see something. This is going to make it very clear to us. Sometimes we need these things to look at so we can become more concise in how we believe. We're going to go quickly through these scriptures. I want to parallel physical wholeness with spiritual wholeness so we can get a better understanding of what we look like on the inside by comparing it to something on the outside. So as I go through these verses, look for the one word that's in these verses called whole. Let's put them up and read them. Matthew first. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made you whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Next verse. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Next. Then Jesus answered, said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And he, her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see. And they glorified the God of Israel. Mark's gospel. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored whole as the other. <clears throat> Next one. For she said, If I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And he said to her, Daughter, <clears throat> your faith has made thee whole. Go in peace, be whole of your plague. And looking round about upon them all, he said unto the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. And they that were sent returned to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace. And he said unto her, him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And then in John's gospel, when Jesus saw him lying, he knew that he had been now a long time in that case. He saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Afterward, Jesus finds him in the temple, and he says to him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which made him, what? Whole. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry at me because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day? Book of Acts. If we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by which means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, does this man stand here before you? How? 
whole. And Peter said unto him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. Whole means entirely well. Whole means there's nothing missing. Whole means their health was restored completely so that there was nothing missing from the health and well-being of their lives. So keep that thought in mind. And look at John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 16. And notice what it says. And of his what? Remember in the Colossians I said keep that word in mind. Of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. When you and I were born again, we received the fullness of God. When the life of God entered into our spirit, the spirit was recreated by the hand of God, and we were made whole spiritually, or you could say complete spiritually with the fullness of God. And just as a man who is made whole physically doesn't need anything, we that are made whole spiritually don't need human views, logic. We don't need Jewish ceremonies. We don't need pagan mysticism. We don't need asceticism. We don't need human philosophy. And the list goes on and on. And let me just make that clear. If you were on dialysis and you got made whole because your kidneys were restored to wholeness, would you need dialysis? If you were lying on a bed because you were paralyzed and couldn't move and Jesus said he made him whole, would you need the bed to lie on any longer? If you were blind and you had a cup in your hand to beg and you had a cloak on you to identify you as a blind beggar so you can receive some income, would you need it any longer once you were made whole and you can completely see 2020 with both eyes? No. Would you need an antibiotic if you were made whole? No. Would you need any medication if you're completely made whole? No. If your body's functioning at 100% whole, you don't need anything. Your spirit was made whole when Christ brought his fullness into your spirit being. Everything is in there. Because we have the fullness of God and the resurrected Christ living on the inside of us. We don't need the aid of human philosophy. We don't need the aid of anything else. And we'll see a little bit more in a minute. We don't need that. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. What it says. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power has given to us a few things, all things that pertain to life and godliness, that through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the, what? divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So when Christ moved in, the old nature moved out. When Christ moved in with his fullness, the fullness of death moved out. Gone. Jesus himself said, if you believe in me, you pass from, life, from death to life already. 
So the point is, on the inside, we look good. On the inside, we are complete. On the inside, we are made whole. Nothing missing whatsoever. And we don't need the aid of all these other things. We have a new spirit. We have a clean heart. We have a sound mind. Praise God. We have on the inside of us soundness in spirit. And thank God on the inside, we're free. Now, let's pick it up in Colossians where Paul continued on because he reveals to us three things, three aspects of our completeness in Christ. Very important things. Beginning at verse 11. In whom also you are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. And the reason for saying that is because of the Judaizers that were coming in and they were saying that if you haven't been circumcised and you're not saved. And that's a heresy. And that's what he's correcting. And putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him to the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, made us show them openly, triumphing over them in it. There are three things revealed to us here that Paul states that we are complete in. Number one, complete salvation. Number two, complete forgiveness. And number three, complete victory. In Christ. Well, let's start with number one, complete salvation. Notice in verses 11 and 12 what it says. Let's read those again, verses 11 and 12. And whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, bearing with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him to the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. This is our salvation. We can't save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to enter into heaven on our own. It was all the faith of the operation of God who in Christ did what was necessary to raise him from the dead as he forgave our sins and cleansed us and then made us able to be partakers of his divine nature to be saved. Now, he, he is addressing really the Judaizers that are saying, if you haven't been circumcised, then you're not saved. Well, let's address that. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 25. There were two views of circumcision by the Jews. The first one's not the right one, but the second one is. The first one was, as long as you've been circumcised, you're part of the Abrahamic covenant. That's it. That's all you need just to be circumcised. You're part of the Abrahamic covenant. Well, certainly it was a sign of the Abrahamic covenant. But that's not the right view. For circumcision verily profits if you keep the law. But if you be a breaker of the law, your circumcision is made what? meaningless. So the second view is this. Circumcision is an outward mark in the outward man that identifies someone who from the inward man of the heart loves and serves God and is willing to keep the law of God. Go on down to verse 28. Look at what it says. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, and not in the letter whose praise is not of men, but of God. So, 
Christ then circumcises the heart and cuts out everything connected to sin from the life of the person who comes to him for his saving grace. I like that, don't you? See, it's not the outward circumcision. It's the inward circumcision. Thank God when Christ moved in, he circumcised our heart. He gave us a new heart of flesh, praise God, and removed the stony heart from us. And now we have the fullness of God inside of us. But you know what? You're, I know your next question. But what about dealing with sin in our lives? What about this man on the outside just we have trouble with once in a while, daily, hourly, minute by minute, right? Always gives us trouble. Your flesh ever give you trouble? Well, the apostle Paul said, I got to beat mine up every day. I beat my flesh up every single day of my life, lest I too become a castaway. Didn't he say that in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27? Absolutely he did. All right, look in the book of Romans chapter 7 and we'll, we'll deal with it. Here, the Apostle Paul identifies two laws. But let's read this first. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Thank God for the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my what? My members. In other words, in the outward man. Look at the next verse. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Here, the apostle is alluding to an ancient practice among the tyrants. And that practice was this. If you committed a crime that was worthy of death, let's say you committed murder, they would take that body of the murdered individual and they would tie it to you face to face until you died from the contagion. Imagine that. How would you like that? People don't even like being around a dead body, let alone having it tied to you. So he says, oh, wretched man that I am. I got these impulses on the outside, but on the inside, I want to serve God. I got the law of God working in my inward man, but I got this other law working in my flesh, which is the law of sin. Who's going to deliver me from the body of this death? Look at the next verse. Oh, hallelujah. If this doesn't make you shout, get a new shouter. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my, the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Did you get all that? Here we are caring about this man on the outside that is what? Subject to sin and death because we haven't received a glorified body yet. Are you longing for the day when this body's glorified and there's not even a desire for sin whatsoever in it? And we have complete harmony in spirit, soul, and body once again like Adam did in the garden. So he shows two laws. There's a law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And there's the law of sin and death. One is a higher law and one is a lower law. 
And as long as we were dead on the inside, there was complete harmony in spirit, soul, and body with the law of sin and death. So God, what does he do? He tries to reach man's inward man from the outward man, showing him, you can't keep my laws. You can't keep my commandments. You break one of my laws. You have broken all of my laws. Isn't that what it says in the book of James? Absolutely. So he gave us the law to, to do what? To lead us to Christ, but also to let us know we can't save ourselves. We can never please God. So we're caring about this outward flesh by a spirit on the inside that's been born again and has received the fullness of God. Who's going to deliver us from all the impulses of this flesh that we have? Only through Jesus Christ can we bring the flesh under subjection to our spirit on the inside. And that's what he's talking about. So here's what we have. A higher law and a lower law. Make the higher law thrust and lift and the lower law that of gravity. As long as the law of gravity is in operation alone, we walk on the earth. But the moment the law of thrust and lift goes into operation, you could say it goes against the law of gravity and we get in an airplane and we fly high. And as long as that law is in operation, that plane stays up there, right? But if something goes wrong, that plane can come down in a heartbeat, right? So we see the two laws, and they're both necessary. But in the spiritual realm, this same thing is true. Today, people could abide by the law of sin and death, and the end of that law will be destruction completely. Or we can come to Christ and receive the fullness of Christ in our innermost being, and begin operating in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which does what? Liberates us from the law of sin and death. Enables us to rise up above the clouds of adversity and conquer in our lives. So Paul was saying, look, man, you're completely saved. Don't get confused by this outward man and this inward man. The inward man is completely made whole in Christ. You're delivered. You're set free. You're liberated completely from this law of sin and death. But the outward man has been so taught to, to live the wrong way, to gravitate toward the world and the things that we see and hear and face and touch and smell, all, all those natural physical senses. But this man on the inside doesn't want any of that. This man on the inside only wants Jesus and his fullness. That's what he wants. So now we got this warfare going on. And what did Paul say? We got to crucify this flesh daily. Anybody ever have to cru crucify your flesh twice in one day? <laughs> I see a few heads nodding out there. <laughs> Number one, complete salvation apart from any other aid is found in Christ and Christ alone. The hope of glory. Number two, complete forgiveness. Oh, look at those verses again, 13 and 14. Don't you love that? Complete forgiveness. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you some of your trespasses. Oh, hallelujah. How many? All trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. Mmm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You see, the Jews had a covenant with God. 
And the Jews could have their sins covered over from year to year by offering up the animal sacrifices on the Day of Atonement. And as a result, their sins would be covered for a year, but they would still be there, just covered. But Gentiles, look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2. Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, hallelujah, you who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Glory to God. We were on the outside looking in and we saw all them on the inside having this favor with God as a result of the covenant that God, they had with God. And their sins were covered for a year, year after year. But we Gentiles on the outside, man, we're looking in. We can't get in on that unless we, you know, become, I guess, Jewish proselytes and so on. But you know what? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, a male or a female, bond or free. In Christ, you've been made nigh to God. And you've got Christ's fullness on the inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. Wow. Look, look again, look over in Ephesians chapter 1. That should be chapter... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry, chapter 2. Back it up. But God who is rich in mercy, the prior verses talk about how we were dead in trespasses and sin. We walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that works in the children of disobedience, of whom we all had a conversation in times past, in the lust of the flesh and of the mind, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and so on. But God, everybody say, but God. But, God. but who? God. But Buddha? God. But Confucius? God. No, but Harry Krishna? God. But Moon? God. But who? But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has he quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he would show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. You see, no one could do it. Human philosophy can't do it. Pagan mysticism can't do it. Asceticism can't do it. Jewish ceremonies can't do it. You don't believe me? Look at the next verse of scripture we got here. Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. See, you don't understand Jewish law. You'd be jumping up right now. You'd be shouting right now. You'd be... Do you get the law of Moses couldn't justify anybody. But by this man, by his one sacrifice, oh, thank God, we have forgiveness of all things. Complete forgiveness. This man on the inside is saved completely and forgiven completely. And you know how he said he wants to show us in the ages to come the exceeding greatness of his loving kindness, etc. I got witness right here. Andrew's sitting right there. And he told us yesterday on his birthday, he said, Dad, you know where I was 21 years ago? In heaven. 
There was a hint of jealousy in me when he said that. <laughs> and then, of course, he didn't stop there. He elaborates. He said, you've got to smell that place. No sauce ever smelled that good. No pizza ever smelled that good. No, no fragrance you smell on this earth has ever smelled that good. You can't wait to get, I can't wait for you to get there and see it. I mean, he was like baiting me like, you know, okay, I get it. You were there. I wasn't there. You know what it's like. The colors, he said, are absolutely gorgeous. They're beautiful. And by the way, Dad, I think what they should do, what they should do is do a Heaven is for Real 2 movie and use me. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Amen. Look at the next verse in the book of Hebrews chapter 8. Complete forgiveness, okay? For this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my laws in their mind there and, and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for he shall know me. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith a new covenant, he has made the first old now that which decays and wax old is ready to vanish away. So what's he saying? There's total forgiveness. There's complete forgiveness in every single one of us who has the fullness of Christ in us. But look at Hebrews chapter uh, 10 now. This is the covenant that I'll make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts, in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. You ready for it? Why is he remembering them no more? Because they were nailed to the cross. Lord, I told a lie last week. Nailed to the cross. But I got upset with my mom and said something I shouldn't have said. Nailed to the cross. But I did this. Nailed to the cross. But yesterday, I just, just yesterday. And I know better. I did that. Nailed to the cross. Anything and everything we have done has been nailed to the cross. And thank God he remembers our sins and iniquities no more. Why? We're completely forgiven. Amen. And if you do miss the mark, what's 1 John 1, 9 say? Confess your sin. Identify yourself with it. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And verse 7 says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. There is a waterfalls of the blood of Jesus Christ, and all we've got to do is bathe in it. Praise God. Oh, glory be to God. All right, next. We are completely saved. We are completely forgiven, and we have complete victory in Christ. Look at verse 15 of Colossians chapter 2 now. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. That is his cross. Hallelujah. So we see that when Jesus arose from the dead, he arose victorious and triumphant over death, over hell, and over the grave. This is what it's all about. Man was incapable of saving himself. Man could not do what was necessary to have us reconciled to God. There's no life we could live. There's no good deed we can do. 
And it's really puzzling to me how people actually think, well, I think I'm a pretty good person and I think I can make heaven. Uh, what makes you say that? I just talked to some lady at the, uh, a nursing home. said that very same thing. I said, well, uh, ma'am, what makes you think you can make heaven? Well, I'm a pretty good person. And she said, you know, I do a lot of good deeds. And I know I'm here and I can't do anything right now, but in my life, I've never hurt anybody. I've never harmed anybody. And I just said to her, well, then, if you can make heaven without Christ, then why did Christ have to come? That's always the question nobody can answer. Huh? Well, if you can make heaven on your own, well, then why did Christ have to come? Are you powerful enough to overcome death, hell, and the grave? Uh, no. No. Can you do anything about your spirit that's dead in sin? Can you remove it from your life? Uh, n no. Never realized that. Why would Jesus have to come and die such a horrific death that his visage was so marred more than any man? He didn't look like a human being. Why would he have to suffer the full wrath of God upon his being? Isaiah 53, the redemptive chapter that tells us, who's believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form to come as we shall see him. There's nobody we should desire him. No, we, he is, we esteem the stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, our peace was upon him and with his stripes, we are healed. Every one of us has gone astray. We've gone to our own way, but the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And it goes on to say that he was led as a, as a, a lamb before his shears to the slaughter. And then when God peered over the windows of heaven, looked down upon the circle of the earth, and he saw the sufferings of our Lord, and he saw that he paid the full price and the penalty of our separation from God. And what Adam did in the beginning to, to do what? To rebel against God. It's enough. It's enough. Come on. He brought him up. Out of the tomb. To the high court of heaven. Where he took his blood. Offered it full payment. Full payment. He arose victorious over death, over hell, over the grave. He is the one who overcame so that we could overcome by faith in him. Praise God. And in Colossians where it says that we are forgiven, God took out his big old rubber stamp. He dipped it in the blood of his son. And when you and I said, Jesus, come into my heart, he stamped me forgiven. He stamped me saved. He stamped me victorious in Jesus over all the powers of darkness. Hallelujah. That's what he did. In him we live. In him we move. And in him we have our being. Aren't you glad you're in him? Aren't you glad you're in him? You see, this is the faith of the operation of God, he is saying. Get rid of all that human philosophy. Get rid of all that Jewish ceremony. Get rid of all that mysticism, this pagan mysticism or asceticism. They thought, if I could just cut my flesh enough, God will look at me and just see, I'm cutting my flesh, you see, asceticism. I'm cutting my flesh. Don't look at me. I'm fasting. I'm praying. I'm denying my body. I'm doing all. You can't get saved by doing any of that. 
You can't get saved by beating up your body, and you can't get saved by giving to the poor. You can't get saved by going to church. You can't get saved by doing good deeds. There's only one way that you can get saved, and that is by faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, and nothing else needs to be added to it at all. Amen. What's our conclusion? Look at Luke's, uh, first of all, let's look at them. Hebrews 2.14. If this doesn't excite you, then you need a new exciter. I hear Walmart has a sale on them. If you're... <laughs> Maybe you like Target. Okay. Hey, Target. Do the Target thing. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through all their lifetime were subject to bondage. What did he do to the devil? Destroyed him. Destroyed him for himself. Did he have to destroy him for himself? No, he already had authority over him. He destroyed him for us. And delivered us from the authority of darkness and translated us into his kingdom. And he gave us a position of authority. And here it is. Look at Luke's gospel, chapter 10. And in that position of authority, we have power over all the power of the enemy. Why? Because we have complete victory. You ready for it? He sends them out among the people. Two by two, they go out. The 70 go out. And they're praying for the sick. They're getting healed. They're raising the dead. They're doing all these miracles in the name of Jesus. Casting out devils, etc., etc. Behold, I give unto you power. That he came back. When they came back, they said, Even the devils are subject to us in your name, Lord. Yeah. Behold, I gave you power to tread on serpents, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Isn't that great? But don't stop there. That's the effect. But what's the cause? Because the cause is greater than the effect. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Somebody, you better shout right now. Your name is written in heaven, praise God. And you've got the power and the authority of the name above every other name. That at the mention of that name, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we yield that. We have that power. We have that right. We've got the power of eternity to use that name in battle against every force of darkness that comes against us in this life. I don't know what I'm doing for you, but I'm getting, mess I'm getting messed up. <laughs> I love this, don't you? Say it with me, I'm completely saved. I'm completely forgiven. I'm completely victorious because I'm in Jesus. Oh, give him a praise offering. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's all stand before the presence of God. Oh, hallelujah.